from Tyler in France. This is Girls' Night. I'm your host, Kate. And I'm your host, Tabby. Tonight, we talk about climate change. So grab a beverage. It's time for a night in. I'm excited about what's coming because you keep, like, giggling to yourself as you look at your iPad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, remember... Remember that time in the third Austin Powers where Dr. Evil wanted to melt the polar ice caps and then use the world flooding as leverage for total domination? Oh, okay. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) So is it a stretch to say that he wanted to use climate change for evil? I'm not sure how you could use climate change for good, but yes, he was weaponizing (laughs) climate change. (laughs) I came up with a game that I want to play called Who Said It? Donald Trump or Dr. Evil. Oh, my God. (laughs) So the game's going to go like this. I'm going to say a quote, and then you are going to say who said it. Okay. Dr. Trump or uh, Dr. Trump. (laughs) (laughs) There's an alternate universe where someone gave Trump a doctorate. Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, No, Donald Trump or evil genius and diabolical mastermind, Dr. Evil. First quote. There's nothing more pathetic than an aging hipster. I'm going to say Donald Trump because I don't know if hipsters existed back then. Dr. Evil. Said what? It. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although it's misleading because he really likes to use the word pathetic, Donald Trump. So I yeah. can see why you would think this. Okay. 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 Second. <laughs> okay. I wouldn't mind a little bow. In Japan, they bow. I love it. Only thing I love about Japan. Donald Trump. Yeah. Okay. You got it. <laughs> Oh my god. I love a little bow. Why? <laughs> okay. Sorry, losers and haters, but my IQ is one of the highest. Oh god. It's really scary because I'm not sure. <laughs> um I'm gonna say Donald Trump because yeah. he does love calling people losers. That's right. Okay. Okay. I like to see girls of that caliber. Oh, I feel like this was a pun, and I want to say it's Dr. Evil. Dr. Evil. Oh, I'm so good at this game. (laughs) The rest of the quote is, by caliber, of course, I refer to both the size of their gun barrels and the high quality of their characters. Two meanings. Caliber. It's a homonym. Forget it. He actually is so smart. Dr. Evil? (laughs) It's a well-thought-out joke. I'm impressed. I mean, I dig it. It is definitely a dad joke. Okay. Fifth quote. I need loyalty. I expect loyalty. Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Oh, my God. This is so bad. Why must I be surrounded by freaking idiots? Dr. Evil. Dr. Evil. That's Austin Powers. very good at this game. Yeah. Okay. I played this with my roommates and like some of them bombed. Okay. Seventh quote. Sometimes you have to toot your own horn because nobody else is going to do it. Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Oh my God. Why am I so good at this? How is this my, my talent? <laughs> okay. It's a really specific talent to have too. I, too, have a nuclear button, but it is much bigger and more powerful. Donald Trump? Yeah. Oh, my God. Really? No. When did he say that? 
That's um, awful. Back in January 2018, Trump doubled down on his harsh rhetoric against Kim Jong-un. We have a bigger... He said he had... Oh, my God. I hate yeah, he's. Him. I kind of messed it up. It's... But it is a much bigger and more powerful one than his. Yeah. Uh, warning the North Korean leader not to attack us. All right. Last one. This one's really good. He's the snake to my mongoose or the mongoose to my snake. Either way, it's bad. I don't know animals. Um... <laughs> I really want it to be Donald Trump. I don't know why. I really want it to be him. That one's Dr. Evil. <laughs> Is he referencing Mini-Me? <laughs> no, he's referencing Austin Powers. What? <laughs> he's the snake to my mongoose. Oh, right. Or the mongoose okay. to my snake. <laughs> Either way, it's bad. I guess I was thinking of, um, remember that weird moment where Donald Trump, like, admitted that dogs hate him or something? No, I don't remember I'm this. completely misquoting and misrepresenting this entire <laughs> thing. But basically, he was like, I'm not a dog person. It was at one of his weird rallies. And he's like, I'm not a dog person. Ask anyone. They'll know I don't like dogs. And I felt like that was the weirdest selling point you could possibly choose. I kind of feel like... <laughs> That is one of those YouTube-generated videos where somebody, like, took all of him saying these things and then put them together, saying, I don't like I don't dogs. know, man. I think I saw this on The Daily Show, though. That's so funny. <laughs> and I can't believe I'm using them as a reputable source, but... <laughs> I mean, I just don't know why he would admit that, because, you know... Animals can tell if you're evil or not? Yeah. <laughs> We're completely a bipartisan unbiased news source <laughs> yeah yeah um anyway but i love that game that was the thank you that. for that yeah. i'm not yeah. really sure what it had to do with uh well our our goal topic tonight but i mean we're, we're talking about saving the earth and you know dr evil and donald trump aren't trying to do that <laughs> when your president's on the same team as dr evil um, <laughs> um yeah but we we picked a heavy topic this week tabby yeah this this topic led us each into research whirlpools that we had to uh help each other escape from because mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like it ends no you no. just find out more and more and every time every time every day i open that my emails or the newspaper or something, there's something about climate change every single day. Absolutely. And it's either something new and horrifying and scary, or it's a politician trying to utilize it to make a point. Mm. Well, to delve into this topic, I suppose we should start by talking about what causes climate change. So climate change is dictated by the fact that carbon dioxide makes it harder for infrared radiation from the sun to escape the Earth's atmosphere. Thus, the infrared radiation increases the energy present in the atmosphere and oceans, the result of which is a change to our climate. The presence of carbon dioxide in our atmosphere has been on an increase. And though in the last 800,000 years we have measured a natural increase and decrease in the carbon dioxide in our atmosphere, the annual rate of increase in atmospheric carbon dioxide over the past 60 years is 100 times faster than that of previous natural increases. And that increase is what we call climate change. 
Yes. Now, the current concentration of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere is 405 parts per million. The highest it has ever been historically is 300 parts per million. Typically, after this cycle, the concentration of carbon dioxide begins to decrease again, but we are not seeing this trend with current data. All we have is an upward incline. And this is really concerning given that all the changes result in food scarcity for at-risk communities who already are facing inconsistent access to resources. Climate change is a risk to mass agricultural production. Yes, and when taking to it, Taking into account the effect carbon dioxide has on coral reefs, you can imagine the future risk to commercial fishing, further increasing the risk of food insecurity for some communities. Carbon dioxide causes ocean acidification, and the acidity caused by loose hydrogen ions leads to decreased availability of calcium carbonate, necessary for shell-building organisms and reef development. And those reefs are necessary as nursery grounds for lots of commercial fish, which were already overfishing to begin mm. with. But that's the problem. These issues affect at-risk communities, but those who are privileged are going to be fine. But that's because they're also the ones who are able to make lifestyle changes that others can't. Right. For example, the other day I was talking to my dad, and he, he asked me if I had tried Burger King's Impossible Whopper. And... I responded, no, I haven't tried it yet. I want to, but you know, it's really not much better for you than just eating a regular Whopper because it's so processed and you're still eating the bread and all the condiments, yada, yada, you know. And my dad goes, yes, but its environmental impact is way less than actual meat. And I thought, damn, my dad is woke. <laughs> Dads across the country, take your woke yeah. notes from Kate's dad. Right? <laughs> I mean, we did an episode a while back where we talked about choices you can make as a consumer. But unfortunately, a lot of these environmental conscious choices are limited to those with privilege to consume in different ways. And so, for example, spending more money on certain products, um, be it meat alternatives or hybrid vehicles can sometimes only be delegated to certain classes of people. Yeah, it's like using a metal straw or mm -hmm. taking your own silverware everywhere or even just the privilege of choosing what to eat and when. Honestly, the majority of the world's population food consumption is dictated by access and price point anyway. Ethics and, you know, your global environmental impact don't really factor in when you have to feed your children, which makes perfect sense. But even then, ultimately, our individual choices, while good and necessary, because I think we can all agree, pollution bad, these aren't enough to even slow climate change, according to most research. A recent report by CDP Worldwide revealed that just 100 companies have been the source of 71% of the world's greenhouse gas emissions since 1988. And, you know, the number one source is China Coal, but there were a lot of names on this list that you're definitely going to recognize, right? ExxonMobil, Chevron, BP, just a few examples. And these are the people who can actually enact change. These are the billionaires who could fundamentally save portions of this planet from environmental disaster. But they won't. 
They're actively trying to derail any projects or policies intended to limit greenhouse emissions. The Coke brothers, not not the soda, <laughs> yeah, but they're the under, owners of Coke Industries, which is a company that I guess most people won't recognize. I definitely didn't until I delved into this research. But you're definitely using the products of many of its subsidiaries every day. Georgia Pacific's one of them. It's a paper products manufacturer, and they make everything from printer paper to paper towels, toilet paper, even the cardboard boxes that other companies use to ship their products to your grocery stores. But these people are putting some 24 million tons of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere a year, according to the CDP, and they're investing almost the same amount in dollars towards blocking environmental bills and stopping progressive policies. So a major overarching problem is that as an individual, you're not likely to make a whole lot of impact by changing your spending habits. And that's what leads us to the Paris Agreement. Yeah, so back in 2016, the world got together and tried to address the greenhouse gas emissions issue. The United States under the Obama administration expressed its commitment to greenhouse gas reduction by pledging $3 billion to the Green Climate Fund and an additional $800 million in grant-based initiatives to aid developing countries in the development of green technologies. And I had such an instinct there to go $800 million. <laughs> <laughs> Just bring it up back to I know, Dr. I know. <laughs> um, we also expressed as a country our goal of reducing our greenhouse gas emissions at least 26% below the 2005 level by the year 2025. And then in 2017, Donald Trump pulled us out of the, of the uh, Paris Agreement. And I, I asked a lot of people about their opinions about the Paris Agreement, and I was giving, I was given some interesting responses. People cited Trump rhetoric, which is that countries that continue to use fossil fuel technology will outcompete our country, and that limiting our use gives other countries an unfair advantage. They argue that China is given free reign to do as they please because their commitment to decreasing carbon emissions is set to the date 2030, at which point they're going to cap out on their production late and have an unfair advantage in industry. They argue that the cost is counter to American interests and that we are giving too much money. Then there are more ethical arguments, like the argument that it is immoral to prevent developing countries from advancing themselves in the world market by limiting their use of fossil fuels. And the argument is fossil fuels are, more, are a more effective means of growth than renewable energy. I've seen people say that the Paris Agreement is just international virtue signaling. But I think we should address these arguments. In regard to China, China has invested the most in renewable energy. And yes, they are still largely dependent on coal and still the biggest emitter of greenhouse gases. We still have contributed the highest amount of carbon emissions overall. And though we invented the solar cell and created the first practical hybrid vehicle, China's taking the lead in renewables, producing five times more solar power than generated in the U.S., also, one in three wind turbines exist in China. Fuck yeah! Go China, go! Exactly. <laughs> and then there's the morality argument. 
the argument is it is amoral to prevent developing countries from expanding with the use of inexpensive energy products. Now, this is where this gets tricky. The assumption is that if we stop using fossil fuel, the production will go down and the cost will increase, making this an inaccessible resource. So I have an argument for that. Mm -hmm. Think about cell phones 20 years ago. Okay. Uh, 20 years ago, that technology was exclusive. Very rarely were you going to find it in a developing nation. And even in, you know, so-called first world countries, they weren't really commonplace. But after over a decade of investing and in focusing on that technology, there's a cell phone for every price point. You can get one that you preload with minutes, or you can have an iPhone with unlimited data. It depends. And even in developing nations, most people have a cell phone these days and are on social media. Um, also, the immorality argument about limiting cheap energy to developing countries seems to be in direct contrast to the immorality of doing nothing to help prevent an increase of the food and water insecurity that these developing countries are likely to face should climate change continue to contribute to extreme weather conditions. It's also funny that there's an argument that we're giving too much money in the agreement because there are no enforcement measures and no way to call in that debt. If we decided we cannot afford to pay the $3 billion we proposed, and by the way, we've only paid $1 billion thus far, uh, we don't have to. It's just a commitment of good faith. It's literally us throwing our weight behind what seems to be a common sense measure to improve quality of life on this planet. And we have to acknowledge that even if we only achieve a small percentage of the goals set forth by the Paris Agreement, we would be improving the air quality and also how we treat the water, the land. I mean, honestly, pollution sucks. We should be doing the best we can to minimize our impact. You said to me the other day that you were talking to JP about this and it seemed like a Star Trek initiative. <laughs> yes, it felt like such a wholesome, global application of goodwill mm -hmm. you know let's all gang up on climate change and really just show them what humanity's got you know also the capital of the federation is in paris is it really <laughs> yes <laughs> the president's office in uh the, the president of the federation of planets is in paris really yes <laughs> Wow. So, like, JP and I were so into the meta of this, yeah. and then we thought about the depressing reality of the situation, and <laughs> it got real sad. Yeah. <sighs> it absolutely requires global cooperation from mm -hmm. everybody. Mm -hmm. and, and the fear that countries that are using fossil fuels are going to out-compete us seems... Counter like fear. Yeah, it's counterproductive to our growth as a species. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm so tired of caring how good the United States is doing on a global scale. I'd really like to care about how we're doing as, a, as the human race. I think a big problem with climate science is that we are dealing a lot with short-term data sets and extrapolating a lot from them. So climate change deniers are inclined to argue that the data is inconclusive, and 
It should not be used to dictate expensive policy. The data relies on the assumption that CO2 will continue to rise. If it doesn't, it does not mean we should stop polluting. Because, you said it, pollution sucks. Yeah, like, I feel like we've been talking about this since the 70s or earlier. We should not be littering. We should be recycling. We should be limiting the emissions from our vehicles because anyone who's ever been to LA or New York on a bad day knows that smog is the worst. And, Mm. you know, swimming in Miami and Biscayne Bay on a bad day when you're coated with a layer of oil is the worst. And... So even if you don't believe in climate change being caused by us, you should want to limit or reverse pollution effects because they suck. (laughs) In 2013, 4,000 people a day were dying in China because of pollution. That's an astronomical number. Yeah. It's, It's disgusting. I like cities. And I would love to go to a city and be comfortable breathing. Yeah, and not terrified that you're going to be paying for what you're breathing for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. I guess we should talk about what you can do. Yeah. Let's... Since it almost feels insurmountable. Like, it feels like it doesn't matter if I drink out of metal straws or drive hybrid vehicles or only take showers at night or, like, really insulate my water heater. I know it feels like... It doesn't matter what I do. I'm not going to make an impact. But it is very important for you as an individual, if you want to contribute to the decrease in our climate impact, to vote for people who are going to pressure energy industry to invest in renewable energy. And local representatives who will stand up against energy monopolies. Mm -hmm. That's a huge thing. A lot of time when we talk about climate change, we're specifically thinking on a national scale. But breaking up those energy monopolies is a huge first step in making national and then global change. So talk to your city council members, call their offices, call your state senators, and be annoying. Be as annoying as possible. Be as annoying as us. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Write to them constantly. Call constantly. And Mm -hmm. make sure you're actually one of their constituents. vote. God, vote. Please vote. Please vote. Especially for local elections. I want to make a t-shirt that says, for fuck's sake, vote. Please. Please. And first of all, I will wear that. Right? Will you wear that? If you'll wear that, let us know. (laughs) (laughs) Text 555 to opt into our subscriptions. (laughs) Or just follow us on Instagram and Twitter. That would be better. At Tyler and France. (laughs) I suppose we should wrap this up. That's where I'm going. Okay. Well, to everybody listening, thank you so much. We would love to hear from you, especially about this topic, because... I, I want you to argue with me. I want to have a conversation about this. And you can do that. <laughs> Especially online, because online. that's what the internet's for. Yeah. Arguing. So let us know. Uh, follow us on social media and argue with us there. And we will see you next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. Bye. Bye. Streaming now on Amazon. Our friend Emily is a director, and we are so excited to announce that she will have a show released on Amazon August 1st. 
Based on true events, The Erectors is about two single mothers paving their way in the film industry and their many misadventures. From car trouble to misogynistic investors to literally only being able to afford two eggs at a posh LA breakfast joint. So be sure to tune into The Erectors on Amazon this summer.